Welcome to Body Matters Podcast, where we bring to you raw and inspiring content on all things to do with body positivity and eating disorder recovery. Welcome back to the Understanding Body Matters Podcast. On this week's episode, we have brought in a really special and inspirational guest, Millie Thomas. We did have Millie on a past I believe recovery talk that was pre-recorded and is one of our previous episodes, but we thought we'd bring back Millie in for an episode to talk on all things to do with the impact of social media and diet culture and how to navigate it. Now, Millie is an eating disorder recovery coach and she has lived through her personal recovery journey of an eating disorder herself. So we have talked about on all things to do with her personal recovery, as well as how social media may impact body image and how this can drive eating disorders, as well as how individuals and parents are able to protect themselves or loved ones from social media these days. So if you would like to hear more, please stay tuned. So hi, Millie, welcome to the Understanding Body Matters podcast. We've had you on one of our episodes before, which was a pre-recorded version of the recovery talk that you had. And we had such amazing feedback from your recovery talk just because of how inspiring and well-spoken you were. So we are very excited to have you on board for a second episode. Well, thank you so much for having me. So to start off with, I thought it'd be good for you to um, introduce yourself for all of our listeners. So my name is Millie Thomas. Originally, I was based in Auckland, New Zealand, and that's where my eating disorder started. So I had severe anorexia from the age of 12 to 27. It was a very long, hard journey, and unfortunately, it did drive me to a point where I was given a couple of weeks to live at the end of my journey. And uh, that was the catalyst for my mum bringing me over here to the Sunshine Coast because it had always been my happy place. And fortunately, I was able to get in touch with an amazing neuro-linguistic programming practitioner and hypnotherapist who helped me to uh, rediscover my healthy self and uh, restore weight and get on with my life, which was incredible. Mm. And when I recovered after being told for so many years that that was never going to be a possibility, I felt really compelled to use my journey to help others. And so I left Auckland, I moved to the Sunshine Coast and I was determined to start an eating disorders charity. And within two weeks of moving here, I was introduced to an incredible couple, Mark and Gay Forbes, who've had two daughters who suffer with eating disorders and they had begun a parent support group. And so I decided to partner with them and help people who were in the midst of their eating disorders. And we had a common dream of establishing uh, Australia's first residential eating disorders facility and that fast forward to now um, that dream was finally realized yesterday in partnership with the Butterfly Foundation and I work with NDED as a Carolyn Coston Institute trained eating disorder recovery coach and also a neurolinguistic programming practitioner I also do the End Eating Disorders podcast and run the social media for Indead 
and also run some Zoom groups and some groups over in New Zealand as well. And then I have my private practice and I'm constantly looking at ways that I can advocate um, for those who haven't found their voice yet or who are just too exhausted to keep fighting. Mm -hmm. And so always looking for opportunities to use my lived experience to help those who are still fighting the brave fight. Definitely. Well, by the sounds of it, you sound, you've got a lot going on, whether that's putting yourself out there to help others, especially with your recovery journey. It all sounds very busy. And I know we spoke earlier before the recording, but was telling Millie that she needed a break by all the sounds of it, but it's such amazing news with the launch yesterday and that it's all come together. So I'm very excited for you and I hope to see this grow, which is very exciting. Thank you. So to start off with each episode, we ask our guests a challenge that they've faced recently and how they have overcome that. So are you happy to provide that as well? Absolutely. So my biggest challenge was the fact that for 14 months, I couldn't get back to New Zealand to see my family or my friends. Uh, And that was one of the hardest things I've I've really had to come other than recovering from my eating disorder. That was, that was really tough. Um, I think being here as much as I love living here, but being um, isolated from everyone. And I also um, unfortunately lost two people very, very close to me in my life. Uh, over the last 12 months as well and so dealing with grief on your own um well not on my own because I've got a beautiful um you know set of friends over here but it's just different it's um nothing replaces family and so for me uh, that was really really tough the way that I the way that I dealt with that was really to shift my focus so onto things that you know, were within my control. So I, you know, I, I, I worked more because I was able to, um, I had the time to do that. And I funneled my time and energy into, into helping others because that, that does fill my cup and also spending time really practicing a lot of gratitude and being mindful of the things that I did have. Um, and I have my health and, um, I have an amazing, amazing career that I love and I live in a beautiful place and really switching that focus to, um, the things around me that are really, really wonderful and not focusing on the fact that, you know, I really didn't know when I was going to see my family again, but we have been reunited 14 months later. I was on the first flight out on the 19th of uh, April when I opened that bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, back, back to normal now. Perfect. It's all back to normal now with, is it, I can't keep up with all the changes anymore with New Zealand and Australia now, is there, there's no isolation after required anymore, is there? No, so that's the tra- yeah, that's the bubble that I was talking about, the Trans Tasman bubble. So, uh, no quarantining required either side, which is yes. <laughs> you don't need another fourteen days alone, especially after that as well. But I'm very glad that you're able to see them again. No, it's very challenging for a number of people, especially those who have family overseas, out of New Zealand, where they don't even know when they can go see them, which is extremely unfortunate but you just never know with all this stuff especially what's going down in melbourne now i know it's going to happen again but we're back there hopefully i'm just glad that where we are now it's safe so fingers crossed it works up for melbourne as well yes absolutely we've all got our fingers crossed yes so to dive in this episode is basically touching on the impact of social media so i thought to start off with how does social media impact body image and how can it drive eating disorders? Gosh, it impacts it in a number of ways. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest things is the comparison 
So really going down what I call the comparison rabbit hole. So you are bombarded with images constantly and, uh, you know, it's only natural as humans, we do compare ourselves. And I think I, I count myself lucky that social media wasn't at the height that it, that it is now when I first got unwell, because I honestly don't think I would have survived. At least at that point, I had to go to the news agents to uh, look at the magazines and compare myself that way. It wasn't in the palm of my hand. And I think it's incredibly, incredibly dangerous for, um, for people nowadays to just have that there. Um, as an absolute comparison almost constantly if you if you you know so desired Um, one of the things I think that's super important when it comes to that and I say this to my clients all the time is you've got to stay in your lane you've got to stay in your lane with the hands on the steering wheel focused on your destination don't look at the other cars around you and what they look like and what they're doing this is about you and your recovery Um, and I think that's one of the most important things is to not look to others and think, well, why, you know, are they recovering faster than me? Well, why did they have a feeding tube? Why, um, you know, <laughs> why am I in a larger body and they're not in a larger body? All of these things that go on and the eating disorder absolutely plays on that. And it's, it's absolutely futile because even if we all ate the same and we did the same amount of activity, we would all still look very, very different. And that's the beauty of being human. Um, and so I think that is definitely one of the things that that impacts on body image hugely. I also think unrealistic expectations that social media um, gives us around, you know, there's all these highly edited images and you know but also poses as well so it's not only the filters um and the editing and the photoshops but it's also the way that um people are posing on social media as well there's an incredible woman who runs uh her instagram account her name is danae d-a-n-a-e mercer and she was once the editor of women's health and she now runs an instagram she also suffered from an eating disorder and she runs an instagram where she shows people like hey this is actually a real body and but i can contort it in this way to make it look like this but 30 seconds later here's how i look now and i think Mm -hmm. it's so important that especially younger people who are probably naive to the fact that things are edited or posed um, in certain ways to make things look a certain way. I think, you know, as we get older, we become wiser to that. It doesn't mean that it's any less triggering, but we are more aware of it. But I do think that's an incredibly, um, it has an incredibly detrimental effect on people's body image and it absolutely drives eating disorders. Um, and also it fuels perfectionism because we have this drive in society at the moment for everything to be just so perfectly honed, whether it's your eyebrows, whether it's, you know, careless skin, whether it's um, your lips looking a certain way and your, you know, your body being sculpted and not having particular things. Someone talked to me the other day about hip dip. And I had no idea what a hip dip was. I mean, there's, there's, goodness gracious, there's so many different things that suddenly know, come crazy. out of the woodwork that are, yeah, idolized or, or you know, sought after. And I think a, a big part of it has to do with social media because Definitely. people are looking at these images and, and people that they 
um, influences that they look up to mm-hmm. or they idolize and they see those things and they're like, right, well, why can't I, you know, I know. look like that? Um, and I, it's not just around bodies though. It's, it's food too, uh, where social media is concerned, you know, these what I eat in a day posts, they <laughs> drive me up the wall. They are so toxic. Mm. They are so toxic. And I'm not on TikTok, but everybody tells me that their feeds, their, I don't know if it's the right word to use for TikTok, but discover page or whatever, yeah. is filled. Even if they don't follow a lot of people who do it, it's just filled with people's what I eat in a day. Mm-hmm. Again, it comes back to the fact that we are all such individual human beings with different needs. We've got different metabolisms, with <laughs> different activity levels. You know, we shouldn't be looking to someone else to see, you know, how much we should be eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that definitely definitely I know for a lot of my clients is highly highly triggering and you know you get vulnerable people on there who look at that and think oh my goodness well I eat way more than that therefore what I eat is somehow wrong and it's just not yeah and again it comes back to staying in your lane and I I also think the fact that social media is a highlight reel so you go on there, you know, you might be, say, having a, a down day and you're sitting on the couch and you get on your phone. Well, that's only going to serve to probably, if you're following the wrong types of accounts, it's yeah. only going to serve to make you feel worse about yourself mm-hmm. because you'll see people celebrating this, that, and the other. But remember, people don't, well, some people do, which I think is fantastic because it's very real and it shows people that life has its absolute ups and downs and everyone has their ups and downs. But there are a lot of people that just choose, choose to share their highlights and there's nothing wrong with that as long as people are aware of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I guess the other thing for me too when, when we look at social media is the eating disorder community online. There is so much competitiveness amongst yeah. that community. When we look at sharing recovery journeys, they can often very much inadvertently fuel other people's eating disorders. Mm-hmm. And so although it's just this, it's a hard balance because we talk about the value of lived experience, which in my view is absolutely invaluable. We talk about the value of storytelling and sharing our journeys, but I think it's really important that it's done in a safe way and it's done in a way where people can be sure that they're not going to be, well, can be, you, you, you can never be completely sure that you're not going to trigger someone because people are mm-hmm. triggered by different things, but that it's done in a safe way so that you're not just fueling one another. And I think it's it's hard because I know People get also a lot of, there are a lot of positive aspects about social media when it comes to eating disorders and body image. We have a lot of body body positivity going on. We've got a lot of health at every size, which which is so, so important. And then we've got, I mean, I post every day on Ended and, um, you know, weekly on my Healed Recovery Coach page. And my own, my own page as well, recovery-orientated content, because I know how important it is for people to get inspired. Yeah. And so it's that catch-22 between being on there and making sure that you're following accounts like that where you can get inspiration 
but it's it, it it's so it's yeah it's hard because obviously I could say right we'll just go off it completely but then you don't get all the positive aspects of it so I think it's about just being really really mindful that it is a bit of a minefield out there yeah I think it's definitely trying to find that right balance, which is like you said, it's very difficult to find. I know everyone's eating disorder is completely different, not all the same and very limited times. They are the same whatsoever. So I think it's finding that balance between inspiring others towards recovery, but also not putting information out that they necessarily think is one way or the highway, I guess, but because the recovery is completely different to every individual, whether that's, I don't know, could be, seeking someone talking to their friends and stuff when others don't want or feel the need to because they their friend group is toxic I don't know it's just a whole range of different aspects I guess so it's finding that right balance which is very difficult to find yeah it is it's very hard balance to strike definitely Mm. so I guess the next question was how are individuals and I guess parents able to protect themselves and I guess loved ones from social media now that it is I guess it is quite toxic nowadays. We are starting to see more realistic Instagrams out, but even so it is quite a toxic toxic environment, whether that's on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, especially now. But how would you think an individual parent are able to protect their loved ones? Sure. So one of the things I do with my recovery coaching clients a lot is do social media cleanses. And go through with them and really identify any accounts that they find themselves comparing themselves to or just feeling inadequate when they look at them or any accounts that are overly focused on body or food or exercise because it's just not necessary mm-hmm. and unfollow them so that their feed starts to become filled with other things. And I also do spot check as well after that's happened just to double check that people aren't, haven't refollowed those accounts. Obviously, that requires you to be honest with yourself and to really tune in and go, well, you know what? When I do look at that person's feed, I do find myself not feeling so great. Um, And obviously, you could sit there and go, oh, no, I'm fine with that one. I'm fine with that one. But you've got to be honest with yourself and go, right, well, you know what? No, I don't feel so good when I look at that. Mm -hmm. And I think... really important thing too is to ensure that any professionals that you are following on social media actually have the proper qualifications so especially you know uh nutritionists and um say sort of life coaches all of those sort of things we need to make sure they've got the right accreditations there are a lot of people out there on social media giving out nutrition uh advice and exercise advice and they're just not trained um and at the credential in the way that they need to be especially when you're working with you know or giving advice to someone who uh has an eating disorder and so i think that's really really important um so for example if you're looking at a dietitian make sure that they're accredited practicing dietitian or be apd um there's there's just it's really important to make sure that 
if you're looking to social media for advice on on things, um, which obviously isn't, it'd be much better to have your own professional who's looking at your unique situation. Because I think that's the other thing. So what you've got to remember is the advice you might see in an article online or in social media, you know, it's very, it's, it's generalized and your situation is your situation. And so it's really important to get individual tailored, um, tailored care. Mm-hmm. The thing that I think, that for me was super important. So I had a break from social media completely when I, when I was recovering uh, because I just found that I was just comparing myself far too much and I found it just too hard. And so I took a break. Then when I went back on it, I made sure to fill my feed with really positive things that are completely unrelated to food, exercise, and body image. So I love my photography. I love quotes. I love travel. I love art. I love flowers, animals, all those sorts of things. So that when I did jump on social media as a distraction or whatever, for whatever reason, my feed was filled with those things. And those things are such life-affirming things. You know, they're things that represented the life that I was striving for, the life that I was doing this hard recovery work for. And so rather than social media being this, uh, you know, this pot of comparison and um, leaving you feeling just awful when you get off it, you can actually go on there and really feel, um, I guess, that passion for life Mm -hmm. and for keeping on going on the recovery journey so that you can get the freedom to be able to just enjoy those things. That for me was huge in terms of um, you can also do apps. So there are apps that limit, I don't know what they're called, but there are apps that limit your time on social media platforms. And I think that's fantastic too. They kind of block you out at different times of the day and they only give you such and such amount of time I think that's great for people if they still wanting to do it but they're wanting to cut down the amount of time that they're spending on it and, and as I said you know that that's an option if, if you're not ready to take a break from it completely because as I said before there are some really positive aspects and things that do help people uh, in in recovery but that's another option with, with those apps and um, parents can also perhaps, you know, limit um, limit their loved one's social media media use to only when they're sitting there with them. Like mm-hmm. absolutely, you can go on Instagram, but I'm going to sit next to you and just make sure that, you know, what you're looking at isn't fueling your eating disorder. And I also believe that there are apps that mean you can see what your loved one Uh, is viewing on their phone so I think as a parent that's another option and so you can just be sure that they're not um, you know perusing really toxic content that's only going to serve to to fuel their eating disorder and I think but ultimately you know it is really down to the individual to be honest with yourself and, and and ask yourself too, do I really need to be on social media? You know, taking a break from it and just focusing on my recovery for a while, would that be the end of the world? No, you know, it wouldn't be. Social media is always going to be there at the end of the day. If you want to hop back on it, that's fine. But I think sometimes periodically just to have time away from it and just focus in on what you need to be doing, uh, which when you're in recovery is just so intense. That work is so intense. So I, I sort of can't stress that strongly enough in terms of giving that a go. 
giving Mm -hmm. it a go, just having a break and see how you go. Um, And you might find it actually really, really helpful. Definitely. Like I know kids now on TikTok, so you never know what content is going to show on that platform as well, which can be quite damaging, especially with someone with mental illness. So it is, I think it's important for parents to also keep that in mind when their kids are using such a famous and I guess, well-known app nowadays. It contains a lot of, I don't know, some troubling images and videos sometimes, not all the time, but I've just heard of it. It's, oh, it's just, it's frightening. It, it, no. it is just really frightening. It is. It is. It's scary because a lot of the time, especially adolescents, they're so, they get so caught up in their phone. I mean, I can, I'm guilty of it as well. I, if I leave the house without my phone, I feel like I've left part of me at home sometimes, which is very bad. I want to get out of the habit of it, but social media definitely plays such a large role in many individuals' lives. So I think those points, especially for parents to monitor their kids, especially going through a hard time is definitely important for them to know and be aware of too. Super, super important. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Well, there are the questions that we had today. Thank you so much for providing your insight. I know you with your background as well. I know many parents and people suffering will find many of these points really, really important to hear. So thank you for taking your time out of your day and providing us with such a professional insight on all things to do with social media. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Mm -hmm.